Amen. Go ahead and have a seat and find in your Bibles Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And then another opening in Psalm 103. And I just want to briefly uh, review these rites with you and then talk to you today about how you actually tap into or possess your heavenly rights as a child of God. In 2 Peter 1 and 12 and 13, Peter said this, Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them, and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. You know, church, there are just things that we need to be reminded of over and over again. And Paul had the same spirit of mentality. It's not a burdensome thing, Paul said, that I remind you Peter had the same spirit. And I just want to uh, kind of on their coattails do the same thing and point out that in this day that we live in, as it gets darker and darker out there in the world, you and I need to be getting lighter and lighter. And that's going to require the light of God's word and understanding who you are and what he has given you. In Psalm 103, the scripture says this, and you're going to follow along in verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, or bless the Lord, O my soul, in all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Now I want to stop there and remind you that there's a reason why he's addressing his soul. And the reason is your soul is the problem. How many are glad for salvation? How many are glad to be born again? In a few weeks I'm going to teach you a lesson very simply called the COVID Christian. And uh, not to get too far into this today or get sidetracked, how many understand that all this quarantine has produced a, pro- a concept now called the COVID baby? That's all I'm going to say about that, the COVID baby. And uh, lots of them being born right now. But there's another byproduct of this season. It's called the COVID Christian. And the stats are now in on just how much that has affected the thinking and the believing of American Christians in this country. And I'll be sharing that with you. And all I can tell you is, for those people who have bought into this, that's not good news. But how do you understand for you and for me that have chosen to stand on the Word of God, no matter what season we're going through, we're going to see greater and greater things happen in us and through us. So he says, soul, you're the issue. What does that mean? It means there's going to be a war between what God has said, what your spirit, the born-again spirit believes, and your mind and your will and your emotions. It's your mind where the warfare is. It's your emotions. That's where the warfare is. And in your will. And so the psalmist is basically telling him, hey, soul, I know where the struggle is, and it's in you. And so what you're going to do is you're going to praise God. You're going to bless the Lord. You're going to magnify God, whether you feel like it or not. I don't care if you think it's, it's appropriate. I don't care if you feel like doing it. I don't care if you want to or if your will wants to. Soul, you're going to bless the Lord. Come on, say that to yourself. Say, soul, you're going to bless the Lord no matter what you think, how you feel, or what you want to do. What are you going to do? You're going to bless the Lord. But it's interesting, the second thing he commands his soul to do is, and, not, and forget not all his benefits. Hey, soul, guess what? You're going to bless the Lord. Hey, soul, you are not going to forget about those blood-bought benefits. Who's going to remind that soul? At the end of the day, if you don't get used to reminding yourself of the goodness of God, no one else is going to be able to help you. You get to the point where you know what God's Word says and you believe it and you begin to talk to yourself. Everybody in this room needs to be a preacher. If you're only preaching to one, be a preacher. 
and you tell your soul, you're going to bless God, you're going to praise God, no matter what you think or how you feel or what's going on, and you are not going to forget God's benefits, so I'm not going to let you do it. And so I'm kind of like the cattle prod today for your soul. Amen? That you forget not those benefits. Literally, it means rights or heavenly rights. And a right is the moral or legal entitlement to have or to obtain something. In our you know, contemporary culture, you could think about human rights and being violated by nations around the world like China. Or you can think about uh, you know, civil rights in terms of our own country or constitutional rights, the Bill of Rights, the, the right to gather, the right to the freedom of the press, you know, the right to freedom of, of religion and worship. Aren't you glad for those rights today? For those Kentuckians out there, the right to bear arms. Some of y'all really believe that one. Yes, you do. There's patient rights and worker rights and parental rights, but the greatest rights of all are heavenly rights. And these weren't secured with man's effort. These were secured with the blood of the Lamb for you and for me. Now, I mentioned it last week, and I said, you know, the, the Bible says God has prepared a table before us in what? The presence of our enemies. There are no enemies in heaven. For that good table, therefore, is what? Spread here in this particular life, in this particular setting. And the wonderful things on that table, and you and I should not look at the Lord and say, I know you sit this table, but I'm just not hungry. What a slap in the face not to partake of everything that he died to give you. So make up your mind when you think about these rights that you're going to have what God said you could have. You're going to do what God said you can do. You could be what God said you could be in his word. Say it, I believe it. We, in fact, have a little document in our nation's history called the Declaration of Independence. Remind yourself of these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, duh, that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. What does that mean, inalienable? It means they can't be taken away. If Jesus bought them for you, man can't take them away. The devil can't take them away. And this is true in our, our national sense of rights, but it's also true in terms of our heavenly rights. He has given you rights that cannot be taken away, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are rights that cannot be removed. And when a nation or a government or a people or an influence or, or some theology, or in, in our case right now, the, the communists that are trying to usurp what we believe as a nation, if you think it's just people with a different philosophy politically, you're dead wrong. These are Marxists trying to infiltrate this nation. And you should stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to give away what God has given me as a nation, as a people. You should be even more militant to resist the devil trying to steal your heavenly rights from you. And say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going gonna, gonna to pull up to that table and I'm going to eat everything he said I could have. I'm going to enjoy everything he said I could have. For something to be a right, there must be a basis for the right, and the basis for our rights is the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? And guess what? These heavenly rights are guaranteed by God himself. By whom? By God himself. Listen to this. You and I are reminded in 1 Timothy 6-7 that God has given us all things for our enjoyment. The gifts and the benefits are to be enjoyed, but they're not supposed to be worshipped. Amen? So we have a big difference in our mind between the hand of God and the face of God. 
If you'll honor the face of God, you'll enjoy the hand of God. Come on, say it to me. If I will seek the face of God, I'll enjoy the hand of God. Some people just want the hand of God. They just want what he can do. They don't want him. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And what? His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you as well. So read all of me in Psalm 103. These are those benefits who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Write these down, meditate on these as you go about your day and week to come. The right to be forgiven is one of those rights. The slate's been wiped clean. Your record has been expunged. Don't you let anybody tell you that you have outsinned the grace of God. You have not. Just tell the devil, when you say that I have outsinned the grace of God, devil, I think you're talking about yourself. Because we can be forgiven. And he cannot be. The right to be forgiven. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians stop right there. I am forgiven. Praise the Lord. Shandai, see my bow time going to heaven. Can I tell you something? You should want everything on this list. Second, the right to be healed. Body, soul, and spirit. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Be morally enabled and restored. The right to be healed. Just like that woman who had an issue of 18 years with her back and couldn't straighten up at all. The Lord said, ought not this daughter of Abraham be healed? What? Yes, so what Satan has afflicted her with. She ought to be healed. Why? Because she's a covenant child of God. She's a daughter of Abraham. Can I tell you something? So are you, but you are in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Your covenant supersedes the covenant she was healed under. How you know if it worked for her, it can work for you? The right to be what? Healed. Number three, the right to be delivered. That means redeemed, bought back with the blood. And it means to walk free of discouragement and depression and affliction and addiction and bondage. Some of you have dealt with this all your lives. You've either been disillusioned or discouraged or depressed and you think it's perfectly normal, natural. You have a right to be free from that today in Jesus' name. Notwithstanding what people can do and counselors can do, what meds can do to help you through certain seasons of life, I'm telling you, he bought and paid for your deliverance. So when you think about deliverance, just don't think about the coke addict. Think about the perpetually discouraged Christian. Think about the one that told you, you'll live with this depression all the days of your life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He has redeemed you from the pit. And you may be in that pit today, but you can go free in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, there's power here right now today to set you free and let you go home walking out that right to be free. Come on, say it. It's my right to be free. Number four is the right to be uh, loved. And that is very specifically mentioned in Scripture, to be crowned with loving kindness. It means to be crowned with His covenant, His said, or His heavenly you know, covenant kindness towards you. It means wherever you need the kindness of God, not just warm fuzzies, but the literal, amen, practical kindness of God somewhere in your life, it's your right to have His loving kindness. That's different for different people in this room. With God, his love has expression and action, not just sentiment. He didn't say, well, I'm going to tell him I love him and that's enough. He didn't tell us. He what? 
showed us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. That's how God loves, not just in sentiment, in feeling or in words. He does that, but he does it with action. You know, covenant has said covenant kindness is God acting on your behalf to show you kindness in an area where you have a need. I tell you, it's great to be a Christian. Come on, say it. it is great to be a Christian. He has covenant kindness for you and covenant kindness for me. And I don't know what's going on, where you need it the most today. All I know is there's plenty to go around in Jesus' name. And just like David looked for a descendant of Saul to show that covenant kindness to, they looked for a descendant of Saul and they found Mephibosheth and he had him brought physically to the palace, to the king's table, restored his land, restored his funds and said, this man will always sit at the king's table. Let me tell you something. God will go out of his way to look for a way to show you his kindness. Just believe this is a right that you have as a child of God. Not a warm fuzzy, not a good idea, but a right. Turn to somebody and tell them you have the right to his covenant kindness in your life. And I don't know where we would be without it. And I'll tell you this also, that covenant kindness is hitting us on a daily basis and oftentimes we don't even recognize it. Look at somebody and say, he's kind. He's loving. And it's now your right. It literally says to crown you with loving kindness. Crowning refers to the coronation of a royal. And you now have permanent kindness on your life. Don't tell me you can't make it. Don't tell me you can't overcome what you're going through. Don't tell me you've gone too far. It's gone on too long. Don't tell me you can't get your dream back. Don't tell me you can't do what God's called you to do. You are crowned with kindness. Every day you walk around with a crown on you. Hallelujah. Fifth right is the right to be renewed. Renewed in what, Pastor? Renewed in whatever area you need to be renewed in. It speaks of filling your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed. That's filling your mouth with the word, but also filling your mouth with practical things to sustain your life. It's natural and it's spiritual. But think about it this way. It's not just your physical youth being restored. I know some people that are 15 and they think 80. There are people that get to 30 and they think their life is over. In other words, not just being renewed in your youth physically, but being renewed in your youth mentally. It's time to stop all the joking about your mind going. Well, my mind's going. No, your mind is coming. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Renewed in your youth, in, your, in terms of your mind, in terms of your emotions, in terms of your outlook. I told you all the story about my dad who was a start on a golf course out in Arizona before they moved here. And he'd always have these folks and a lot of people, he mentioned a lot of people that came in from Canada, how thankful they were to be able to retire that way and play golf and enjoy their lives. He said, but some folks, you know, were just as well off in terms of their ability to retire and enjoy life, but they were just mean and honorary and belligerent and they'd come in complaining about everything, about that golfer, about this, about that. And all of a sudden, a bunch of F-16s fly overhead and he starts complaining. I can't believe that sound. I wish they'd do something about that sound. You know what my dad said? He said, first of all, those F-16s were here long before you were. And the second thing he said, you know what that sound is? That's the sound of freedom flying over our head. It's all a matter of perspective, isn't it, church? See, you could be 15 with a 90-year-old mentality. 
Or you can be renewed, amen, in the the attitude of your mind and be renewed in terms of your youth, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in your outlook, in your youthful enthusiasm. Amen. Amen. You can be 105 years old and be the most on fire person in this building. How many of y'all will take that challenge? Hallelujah. Yes. Say, it's my right to be renewed. Say, it's my right to be renewed. Instead of saying, well, I'm just going to fall apart physically and my mind's going to go and I'm always going to be cynical because I'm getting older. Why don't you stop confessing that and start confessing that you can have daily renewed, amen, youth in every area of your life. Say it with me, the right to be forgiven, the right to be healed, the right to be delivered, the right to be loved, the right to be renewed. Aren't you glad you're a believer? Did I mention to you these were blood-bought? Blood-bought. Hallelujah. But my, uh, you know, mandate today is to, to talk to you about how then to possess those. Uh, if, if all you had to do was confess Christ to possess everything, then everybody in here would be walking in every one of these benefits right now. But that's not the case. There are certain things that we have to do to line ourselves up with in in an agreement with the Word of God so that we can walk in in God's best. And, you know, we don't do this in a a vacuum. How many understand there's a war going on? And the war is intensifying. If you think things are going to get brighter in the world, you're missing the point. They get brighter in the church and darker in the world. When they get really dark in Egypt, the light just continues to beam in Goshen. You better be glad that you're in Goshen. And not over there in, in Egypt. Amen? I tell you, it's important to be part of the body of Christ. Number one, find out what your rights are. You've got to find out from the Word of God. Not just because you heard me preach it. You've got to go search the Scriptures. You've got to go in there and find out that what I'm saying is in fact true. You have forgiveness. You have healing. You have deliverance. You have loving kindness. You have renewing in every area of your life. The Word of God teaches this, but it does me no good to have faith for those things for me or even faith for those things for you. You have to have faith for those things. And you get that by searching the Scriptures. Bill Winston said these powerful words, and listen very carefully and let them be marked on your heart today as clear as you can possibly do it. Think and meditate on this phrase. The word is our promised land. Come on, say the word is our promised land. The question is, will we hang out with the ten spies scoffing and belly aching and complaining or will we go in? Go into that promised land and claim to everything God has given us. You know, Isaiah 55 tells us that when God sends forth his word, it accomplishes the purpose whereinto it is sent. Isn't that right, church? What does that tell you? It tells us the word will do the work, but we have to know what the word says. In Hosea 4, 6, one of the first scriptures I was ever taught as a baby Christian, my people are destroyed, not because they're terrible, not because they're losers, Not because they're second-class citizens. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The first key is you and I got to find out what our rights are. And I tell you, once you you find out, don't you turn loose of them for anything. Or shall I say anyone? Because have you noticed, not everybody will go down the same path with you. Number two, reject religious and traditional teaching. 
specifically teaching that contradicts what we're told to remember and not forget. If God tells me that he forgives all of my sins, I need to reject anybody that says that God won't forgive me. If God's word says he heals all my diseases, don't tell me that that same God's the one that put them on me. Now, I don't want to offend you here, but some of you may still be a little bit too denominationally minded and have a problem with that. But if the word says you can have something, you can have something. It's time for you to throw your denominational handbook away and pick up the word of God and find out what it says again. Because God doesn't care about what your background is. He just cares that you believe him and believe his word. The traditions you're taught can cause you to say, well, that's not true for me or that won't work for me. Well, a believer just looks at the word and says, well, here's what it says. He forgives all my sins and he what? And he what? Heals all my diseases. Well, I know some people that didn't get healed. I know some people who won't accept his forgiveness. But I'm not going to make my faith, my believing based on what they do. Are you here today? And tradition will try to contradict us. You need to be aware of this and reject these as you're remembering and forgetting not your benefits. Don't let the teachings of men, amen, rob the word of God of its power. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, you make the word of God of none effect with your tradition, King James Version. The Living Bible says, so you break the law of God in order to protect your man-made tradition. This is only one example. He said, there are many, many others. The English Standard Version says you make void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Not only do you believe it, guess what you're doing? You're handing down that right-destroying contradiction of God's word. It's bad enough that we believe it. But we are impacting the next generation by what we fail to believe God for. You've got to make sure that what is handed down to you and from you is the word and not man-made tradition, if you're going to tap into your rights. Doesn't make any difference if everybody rejects him. If he says, I can be forgiven, guess what? I'm forgiven. He says, I can be healed. Guess what I'm going to believe? That's what I'm going to believe. I'm not going to believe what, what mom and them said or grandpa and them taught or what that church said or what that denomination said. I'm going to believe what the word of God said. Come on, shout out and say, I'm a believer. What's a believer do? A believer believes the word of God. Find out what your rights are. Reject religious and traditional teaching that makes the word of God of none effect. Literally, the Bible says it robs the word of its power. Listen to me carefully. The word of God has the power to bring itself to pass in your life. Unless you let it be polluted with man-made tradition. Number three, value your rights. In Genesis chapter 25, you find a very sad story where Esau got hungry. And what did he do? He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Some people don't walk in their rights because they don't value them. Now you say, I can't believe a man would sell out his rights in God for a bowl of soup. It is crazy when you think about it because you could have had the whole soup factory. He could be CEO and owner and operator of Campbell's. But no, he has to have a bowl of soup now. You know what that is? That is people trading out God's best for instant gratification. The question is, what is our price? When you value 
your rights, there is no price. They're what? They're priceless. Well, one man understood this. Esau didn't, and he sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of soup. Look at somebody and tell them, don't do that. Come on, say it again. Don't do that. You need to see your rights in God as priceless. Amen. I'm not going to give my future away over something so stupid. Don't trade your eternal blessing for instant gratification. Is that it's not happening in the church? It's happening throughout the church in America. But when you truly value your rights as a child of God, guess what? I'm sorry you can't afford me. Hallelujah. Number four, demand to walk in your rights. You make a faith demand and a stand. You get to the point where you don't put up with it anymore. Can I give you a a holy word and a revelation here? Too many of us putting up with stuff that God never intended us to put up with. These rights and many other things are being compromised because we just won't put our foot down. Turn to your neighbor and say, put your foot down. Uh, Just don't put it down on me, hallelujah. But put your foot down. Does not the Bible say resist the devil and he'll he'll flee from me? What does that tell you? It tells you the devil's going to come at you. I don't understand what's happening to me. What do you mean you don't understand what's happening to you? The devil's coming after you. You think it's some strange thing happening to you when you have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? What do you do? When you're walking around in condemnation, when you should be walking around in forgiveness, that's the enemy coming against you. When he says you can be healed and you're struggling with disease and sickness, that's the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. When he says you can be free and you've lived all your life depressed, that's not of God. Can you go to heaven depressed? Yeah, but you don't have to. And can I tell you this? You won't be on the other side. So why don't you just go ahead and practice not being depressed now? But you have a real enemy. And with some Christians, all he has to do is come up to you and whisper, you're depressed. And you'll go, you know what? I am depressed. Woe is me. This is wrong and this is wrong. And how do you know the devil will chime in there? Well, you forgot about this being wrong and this being wrong and this being wrong. And did you see the way so-and-so looked at you and they didn't shake your hand and they didn't return your call? And how come they didn't return your text in like five seconds? They must be really upset with you. See, you have reason to be depressed. Be depressed. Amen. You have a real enemy. And you have to understand that he is coming to strip you of the rights that he gave you that were supposed to be permanent. You got to know your rights. What do you do? In a, in a free nation like ours, when someone violates someone's civil rights. One thing you can do is take them to the court system. And you can hold them accountable for what they have done. It could be in a workplace. It could be in a school. It could be in a lot of different scenarios. But you, you take them to court to get a decision that says, you know, you did violate their rights. And therefore, there's going to be compensatory and punitive damages for what you have done. Can I tell you something? Our, our case has already been settled. He has already ruled on our behalf. There is no higher court to go to. But what good does it do for the judge to render and hand down a decision if you and I are going to run with it? 
When we were kids, we were so happy to get off the bus after school. We'd jump off that bus saying, here come to judge. Here come to judge. Everybody run because here come to judge. We were a strange lot. But we were happy to get off that bus. <laughs> yes, amen. What good does it do for the judge to declare that you and I have been given these rights and backs them up with his authority and we go, oh, well, if I have them, I have them. If I don't, I don't. No, you need to demand to walk in the rights that he has given to you. Well, how do I do that? Listen to this translation of Matthew 18, 18 and 19. I promise you God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth. But God will not allow anything you don't allow. I promise that when any two of you on earth agree about something you're praying for, my Father in heaven will do it for you. You disallow something that contradicts the promises of God in your life. You disallow condemnation. You disallow disease. You disallow bondage. You disallow anything that the smacks of a contradiction of God's loving kindness. You disallow, amen, anything that would come against your sense and your understanding of what it means to what? To be free and stay free. Are you here today? Say, you'll be I am free. Hallelujah. I can see today some of y'all are being renewed right now. Renewed where? Renewed right here. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them he paid a high price. A high price for your rights. Glory to God. And you know what's going to happen? You say, well, I'll wait till heaven to get these. Let me help you out here. You won't need them in heaven. There's not one right on this list that you will need in heaven because it will already be done. There'll be no forgiveness in heaven because there'll be no sin in heaven. There'll be no healing in heaven because everyone will be in a perfect, healthy, and wholesome state. There will be no bondage there. There will be no affliction of depression or discouragement or addiction to substances. It won't be there. There won't be anything but the loving kindness of God there. Amen. And you will be perpetually renewed all the days of your eternity. When Keith Morris, a father, died and, and he had a, an experience of going to heaven, this happened the past couple of years, he's walking down what, what seemed to be like a mallway and he, he saw this gentleman down the ways a little bit and he recognized his father at 30 years old or so what he looked like. He walked up to him and embraced, and he said, all my dad wanted to know about was the ministry on earth, what's going on here in the ministry, what's happening. He also said other people that have been impacted by his ministry came up and said, hey, Brother Keith, hey, Brother Keith, thank you for that series, thank you for that word, thank you for that prophetic utterance, thank you for what you did here, thanking him for how it impacted their lives and actually helped them get where they actually got. Can I tell you something? You're not going to need renewal in heaven. But a little bit sure does come and hang you down here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it's okay if you want to get your fat frozen or sucked out. That's perfectly fine with me. I don't care. Amen. Have your eyes done, your cheeks done, whatever. Cut on this and cut on that. But can I tell you something? There's a renewal that they can't do for you. 
Do you know that you can be you can be put together by surgeons on the outside and still be very ugly on the inside? Amen. He does all things well. He can renew your strength. Amen. And renew your your on the inside where everything tends to, to cloud, you know, our judgment and our perspective out there. Let's have renewed vision and renewed youth and renewed vigor and renewed enthusiasm. Amen, church? Amen. Glory to God. Look at somebody and say, I'm demanding my rights. You know Rosa Parks did when they said she couldn't sit on that seat in the bus? You know what she said on the inside? We know what she said on the outside. Her body language and her deliberate nature and decision but you know, on the inside, she was saying, I've got a right to sit wherever I want to sit, and that's what I'm going to do. Amen? But if you don't stand up for your rights, you'll never walk in them. Amen? And some of you are still letting the devil tell you where to sit. Are you here? Turn to somebody and tell them those days are over. Number five, and finally, advocate for others to receive their rights. One of the ways you do this is to testify about your rights, what God has done. Amen. You overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and living in our lives even unto death. Listen to this one translation. He talks about this. And it mentions not just we, we, we overcome, but we conquer this way. We conquer this way in our lives. There are a lot of people out there that uh, would love to have a, a, you know, a living example of what it means for somebody to walk out their rights in God. So don't be afraid to share these things with people. I was lost, now I'm found. I was bound up in this sin, and now I am free. Amen. I had this addiction, amen, and now I am free. I always like celebrating people like Tracy. You know, he's facing three strikes and he's out in our penal system. Amen. Drugs had a hold of him. And God set him free. Renewed his mind. And today he's helping other people get off of drugs. That's what we do. We take what we have, amen, and we share it with other people. We don't hold on to it ourselves. We let them know what God did for us. Let me ask you a question today. Are you free? Are you healed? Are you delivered? Are you a child of God? Testify. And then I ran into this interesting scripture in Proverbs 31, verse 8. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You know, destitute means it means lacking the basic needs of life. We're going to run into people every day that are destitute of some of these rights and other rights that are as children of God. And you know what we need to do? We need to speak up on their behalf. Tell them they can be free. Amen. Lift up your voice. I mean, if you saw somebody being mistreated because of their culture, their background, their language, their nationality, their color, how many of y'all would stand up and say something? I believe you would. I know many of you here who have. And that's the right thing to do. Somebody's being ill-treated, mistreated, passed by, passed over, disrespected. Same thing can apply to age. I mean, you understand your elders ought to be honored. Amen. You start listening to them, you might learn something. You say, well, they tell their stories over 15, 20 times. That's because you didn't get it the first time. <laughs> you just might have a revelation the 19th time. 
We're a culture that likes that. Are you here? Sure you would. You would stand up if you saw somebody being mistreated or being violated in their rights because of some demographic. How much more should you stand up for others when they're being violated by the devil every single day? Speak up and tell them, you know what? You don't have to walk in this condemnation. You don't have to walk in this affliction. You don't have to walk in this bondage. You don't have to walk around, you know, feeling like life's over for you at 15 or 20 or 25. That same spirit that'll attack an 80-year-old will attack a 5-year-old if you're not careful. And there's a lot of hopelessness out there. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you and I understand what the rights are. Let's do what the scripture says. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Amen. Come on, stand your feet and give him a big hand clap and thank him today.